To secure a blog on the Tumblr platform, you need to check a box that says you are at least 13. In fact, the actual language of the agreement reads, You have to be at least 13 years old to use Tumblr. We're serious. It's a hard rule based on U.S. federal and state legislation. But I'm like 12.9 years old, you plead. Nope. Sorry. If you're younger than 13, don't use Tumblr. Ask your parents for a PlayStation 4. Or try books. But some of the most popular users of Tumblr aren't that much older. I myself have never been popular in Tumblr. Ellie Reeve is a writer for The New Republic. Her article, The Secret Lives of Tumblr Teens, dives into the stories of some of the most successful blogs to emerge from Tumblr, and most of them are run by teens. We're talking high schoolers. And when I say successful, I don't just mean that they have a lot of followers or reblogs, which they did. I mean they actually made money, hundreds of thousands of dollars, just through ads on their blogs. Yeah, well, I should clarify. I've been following them for years, but I, I only superficially, like I didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. And then one day, a lot of my favorite blogs had disappeared. Reeves stumbled on the Tumblr teens almost by accident. In her story, she writes as someone with at least 10 years on the typical Tumblr lurking teen. I started on it when I was in 2008, but I was already in my 20s, so it wasn't, it didn't have the same grip on me. Like it was in my world. She says she started turning to Tumblr for coverage of gymnastics. And that's a sport that just does not get a lot of mainstream coverage. So on Tumblr though, gymnastics is a is the perfect sport for the internet because like the little tricks and stuff, they're the perfect links for GIFs. At first, Reeve was following these accounts with no idea who the bloggers were. How did you know they were kids? I didn't at first. I started following a few fashion blogs too. I thought they had just incredible taste. This sort of like LA sunset look is very popular. And then one day I clicked over to this girl's main blog and it the intro or the bio said something like, Hi, I'm Tiffany, I'm 15 and three quarters, and I want to live in L.A. someday. And I was like, <gasps> no. <laughs> but then I just accepted it, you know. So I started following all these kids, and then after the 2012 Olympics, interest dies off a little bit. And I noticed they were reblogging all these jokes. And then I just started to realize, like, these kids are way funnier than me. Like, they're, they're, like I couldn't believe how funny they were. And that's when I wanted to write about it. What kind of made it funny for you? Because it's not like when I when I think of it, and I read your article, it, um, I'm not like laughing out loud in the way that you might laugh during like a comedy show or like something like that. Yeah. First, you really have to get used to the language and rhythm of it. And then it becomes a lot more laugh out loud funny. But I just, I found their social observations so insightful and so interesting and really complex. You know, like when I was a teenager, and I talked about this with someone at Tumblr as well, people would say politically incorrect, you know, it was a more bigoted time, right? Mm -hmm. Like where the punchline for a joke might be you're gay, right? Mm -hmm. Like that was really common in my high school. And it's not like that at all. It's like these very complicated ideas about your outer self versus your inner self, like what you project to the world. It's and it, you talk about this in the article, but it's it's uh, relatable humor. It's something. It's almost a word that they've adopted and coined for themselves. Yeah, and I would try to get them to explain it, and they're like, "It just means you can relate to it, but it's different. It's like they feel alone, 
and and they want and it, and it makes them feel connected to the rest of the world. Like one of my favorite ones is was something like I just tried to say hi to someone in the hallway. They didn't hear me. I'm never trying that again. <laughs> right. Like I mean, I've felt that feeling before too. Like no, I. That's it. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> it, it, speaking another word out loud. I think the one of my favorites that you point out is, and this this is funny that I'm laughing at this because it's not relatable to me. It's like your bra strap is showing. Children begin to scream. Tears are streaming down my face. My parents disown me and sell me to a shady mustached man for three goats. No one could ever know I wear a bra. <laughs> yeah. <It's> just. <laughs> I love that. Do you have any speculation on why this has caught fire with teens in, in a way that maybe like they're not, they're not, they're attracted to this stuff. They're more, they're consuming this stuff more than maybe they're consuming a lot of traditional mainstream culture, old fashioned, like yeah. sitcom type culture. Yeah. I mean, I think before this was really huge or before we knew about this, like, you know, those Buzzfeed lists about like 27 things. Only people who went to art school would know like that. That's something I don't know. People just, they want to feel like they're not alone, like their individual experience was actually a universal one. And it, it just makes me, I think it's comforting. Now, as Reeve says, she initially set out to cover the teen culture on Tumblr. These kids who were so relatable, funny, and insightful, that they were essentially becoming the culture factory of the internet. But the success of the Tumblr teens was about to hit a brick wall. In 2014, there was a mass shutdown of a lot of really popular accounts on Tumblr, with no real explanation. Reeve wasn't the only one who wanted to know what happened. She had been trying to reach one blogger in particular, someone who just went by the name of Pizza, who had about one million followers. Pizza's Tumblr account was one of the ones that disappeared. You can try to go to her page now, pizza.tumblr.com, but it's just a 404 page. As you might imagine, when someone with a million followers goes missing, people take notice. I set out to just explain the humor, and I thought maybe along the way I'll figure out what happened to Pizza. She does find out what happened, and it's not nearly as simple as the rumors make it out to be. And here's where it starts for these kids, with the crazy popularity of their pages. The kids I talked to, they said, I mean, and they, there might have been a little false modesty here, but they said that they didn't think that much about their growing follower count. They have 10,000 followers, 20,000, 100,000, that it was like a high score in a game. But they were able to put Google banner ads on their sites. And that slowly brought in a little bit more money and a little bit more and a little bit more. And then that was a little bit more real. So if you haven't used Tumblr too much, here's the essential thing you need to understand about how ads work on the platform. Tumblr pulls in ad revenue of its own through sponsored posts. That's what keeps the platform afloat. But as a user of Tumblr, you have to follow some guidelines if you want to make money off your blog. So Tumblr says it's fine to put banner ads on your site, but people are devoted Tumblr fans who are repeat users, who are the people advertisers would want to see most, who are the people who care most about what you have to say. They use the feed, it's kind of like a, a Facebook feed. And so that's where you would want to put ads. Like that's where the money would be, is like posting an ad in the stream. And Tumblr doesn't like that at all. They consider that abuse of the viral mechanics of Tumblr. Banner ads are fine, but advertising within a post gets a little more attention. This brings us back to these Tumblr teens who are gradually discovering more ways to make money off of Tumblr. 
Specifically, it started with one group of bloggers who were playing with ad placement and language. And it just snowballed into uh, a diet pill scam. <laughs> they would write a relatable post about like, hi, my name is Brittany. I didn't think I could lose weight, but then I tried this really cool diet supplement that my best friend recommended to me. And there would be a link that would send them to a landing page with Dr. Oz talking about how well these diet pills worked. These kids owned the ads on the landing page, and their blog wasn't the only one creating these posts. They were sharing their profits with other popular blogs that were willing to write sponsored posts. Blogs like Pizza. And they made tons and tons and tons of money. These posts passed themselves off as personal, relatable, and just happening to mention a product. And the best part, because the ads were posts, they would appear right in the feed that's normally safeguarded from spam. But the folks at Tumblr saw right through it. But Tumblr doesn't allow that kind of thing for obvious reasons. It preys on the insecurities of their core population, which is teenage girls. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and uh, to, be, to clarify, Tumblr itself didn't have any qualms about advertising on Tumblr. They don't have a problem with people making money. They just had a problem with the specific content. That's right. Tumblr had a problem with some of their most popular blogs spamming the feed. This is the thing that ultimately got them banned from Tumblr. Well, then there's also there must also be something in the magic sauce of Tumblr that makes it more yeah useful for for this kind of marketing than somebody setting up their own entire blog network yeah. on on a different server. Yeah. There's definitely the same kind of stuff is advertised on Instagram and on Twitter and stuff, but Tumblr is so focused on the content. It's all about your message. Like it's your avatar is very de-emphasized. It's all about like your jokes, your little observations, like the photographs, the juxtaposition of like news reports and, and what's actually happening. Like that's way more emphasized. And and so when they would make these testimonials about diet pills that were completely false, like, like people would actually read them. You're not going to just like scan, like, mm. skip it, you know, mm -hmm. that that's, in, that's an interesting result. In fact, the, the, one of the folks that you interviewed had said, like, once you like pollute the content, basically you're no longer trusted. And it sounds like there's this just culture there where people really do trust you. And, and that's not only being enforced by the people uh, who are on Tumblr and using Tumblr. It sounds like Tumblr themselves, the company, is uh, trying to enforce that value. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And it, I think, is one reason it has struggled to monetize. But yeah, um, one of the kids that I spoke to, exactly Lily said, you know, I would never, ever sacrifice the integrity of the content of our blog to promote my videos or my face or my personality. Like it was actually incredible to hear him say that, right? Like yeah. it's really the opposite of the conventional wisdom in big media right now, which is all about pushing your personal brand. Like he mm -hmm. had absolute contempt for that. Yeah, that is so, uh, that's so interesting that, uh, but at the same time they were not having a problem with the monetization aspect of this. Yeah. I mean, when I talked to them later, they're like, yeah, I knew it wasn't great. It was clear they maybe had some reservations, but they didn't really think it through. Yeah. There, there are still young people who 
had just started college when they were doing this. They were in high school when they started doing this. Yeah. And, and, you know, they'd never been in the workplace and been confronted with these, you know, every once in a while you're like, it was like an actual moral problem in the workplace, but like this had never happened to them. They're like, they don't have bosses. They don't have like mentors to like guide them to make the right decision. They're doing it all on their own. So they're sort of just learning as like, as a microcosm of, of Tumblr themselves, Tumblr themselves is kind of learning about how they can exist as a company and make money and afford to be in business. And the, they, they're doing the same thing. Yeah. It's like, how do you make money off of little genius teenagers without exploiting them? Like it's, it's very difficult. I want to get your thoughts on the, like the broader landscape because this isn't something that's just happening on Tumblr. There, There's just hundreds of Vine stars, YouTube stars. Yeah. When I've talked to these guys, they've been playing around on the internet with a group of friends since they were really young, like 14 or 15. And they'd been experimenting, like, um, like you know, you might have contests in your backyard, like who, who can do, I don't know, the most push-ups or like jump over the highest thing, right? They, will, they competed to have the most viral video. Um, and as they got older and hit puberty, the handsome ones became YouTube stars and they get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, there's this whole subgenre of YouTube boys who just kind of like smolder at the camera and give dating advice. Like it's incredible. They're very good at it. But what happens when they get into their mid twenties or a little bit older, they can't keep talking about high school forever. Um, there's actually a really good Vanity Fair piece about this, about like, it's like creating a massive generation of child stars. I, I, I'm just imagining, you know, 80 years from now, the, the retirement homes for former Vine stars. <laughs> I mean, maybe there'll be like circles of stars of senior citizens and they're like, any senior citizen can relate to this. And it's a, it's something about dentures. I don't know. Like maybe that is the future. Um, <laughs> But for now, teens power the internet, especially teen girls. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about this. Oh, sure. Yeah, it was great talking to you, too. Ellie Reeve is a writer for The New Republic. We'll link to her article, The Secret Life of Tumblr Teens, at our show notes for today's episode at cyber.law.harvard.edu. Seriously, you need to check it out because there's so many details and stories we didn't include that you have to read. This week's episode of Radio Berkman was produced by me, Daniel Dennis-Jones, and edited and written by Elizabeth Gillis from the Berkman Center for Internet and Society at Harvard University in Cambridge, Massachusetts. 